Have you ever had to complete a task by yourself that really should have been a two-person job? If so, you probably struggled and found that it took far more time and effort than it should have. Well, effective ministry involves teamwork. Paul is known as the greatest missionary of the early church, but Paul didn't work alone. He had the assistance and the support of a growing network of fellow workers. This lesson is called The Value of Teamwork. There's a popular saying today that goes something like this, teamwork makes the dream work. Well, I think there's a little truth in that proverb because God created us to need one another, to work with one another. And that's that's true of missionary work, the ministry as, as well. Paul is now on his second missionary journey, but but he's not working alone. In fact, he rarely does. He began his journey with Silas. Timothy joined them along the way. Dr. Luke uh, joined as well, but remained in Philippi to help the new church there. Well, now we're in Acts chapter 18, and some more partners are joining the team. They're all going to provide some measure of effectiveness, skill, gifting, enthusiasm in their own unique way. Now, Acts chapter 18 tells us that Paul arrives in Corinth. This is another one of those cities that we could call Sin City. It's a a busy, thriving commercial center. It's also the home of a temple for the goddess Aphrodite. We know from history that there were a thousand prostitutes working in that temple during the days of Paul. Every uh, imaginable vice, sin, is present is legal, is out in the open in Corinth. Well, Paul arrives here alone. At this point, he's left Timothy and Silas back in Thessalonica, but the Lord soon sends them some new uh, partners to help him in ministry, and their names are Aquila and Priscilla. We're told that they're tent makers, and they've recently been expelled from Rome along with all the other Jews. Now, we don't know anything about this couple prior to this chapter here, but it's clear that they love the Lord. Verse 3 says that Paul is of the same trade as this couple, and that tells us that Paul made tents on the side, more than likely to cover his expenses. Well, Paul is now staying with this tent-making couple while he ministers in Corinth. And Paul is going to follow his usual pattern. He begins speaking in the synagogue every Sabbath. And when Silas and Timothy arrive from from Macedonia, it's a great encouragement to the apostle, and they join in with the work. We, We know from the book of 2 Corinthians that they also brought a monetary gift from Macedonia. So Paul can stop making tents for a living for a while and focus entirely on his missionary work. Verse 5 tells us, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. Now, some of the Jewish people accept Jesus as their Messiah, but for the most part, verse 6 says, they opposed and reviled Paul. 
Well, when he's no longer welcome in the synagogue here, Paul turns to the Gentiles. He rather boldly sets up his headquarters right next door to the synagogue in the home of a new believer named Titius Justus. Now, we're told in verse 8 that Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. You, You can imagine how stunning this news is going to travel around that city. Well, Paul stays in Corinth. He's preaching the word faithfully. Verse 11 tells us for a year and a half. And during that time, many people come to faith in Christ. Finally, Paul leaves. He's going to give a report back at his home church in Antioch about all that the Lord has been doing. And Silas and Timothy may have remained to minister in Corinth, or they may have accompanied Paul back to Antioch. We're just not told. We are told here that Priscilla and Aquila, they go with Paul as far as Ephesus, where Paul stops over for a while to serve. Now, verse 19 tells us that at Ephesus, he went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And while he's there, he's, he's asked to, to stay longer, but he's anxious to leave. He, he, he wants to keep moving. Uh, frankly, beloved, I, I think if you and I met the Apostle Paul, we, we'd find a man whose foot was pressed down on the accelerator, so to speak. He was always going, or at least ready to go, at full speed. Well, it's not clear how many in Ephesus have turned to faith in Christ, but Paul doesn't just abandon them after his quick visit. In fact, he strategically leaves Priscilla and Aquila here in Ephesus, and they're actually going to host the new church in their home so that their lives now, their home, their hearts, well, we see them as open to everyone for the sake of the gospel. What a model they are to us today. Paul also promises to return to Ephesus if God wills it. He then leaves for Antioch. Verse 23 tells us that after reporting to the church in Antioch, Paul soon sets out on his third missionary journey. He's just going to keep on moving. Well, meanwhile, not long after Paul's departure from Ephesus, a man named Apollos arrives there. I want you to listen to how he's described here in verse 24. He was an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. So we're told here that he's eloquent, he's educated, and and we're told he's enthusiastic. But there's something missing in his teaching. We're told here at verse 25, he knew only the baptism of John. Now, what this means is that Apollos' knowledge of Jesus probably came through disciples of John the Baptist, that Old Testament prophet who introduced Jesus. So apparently, Apollos knew that Jesus was the Messiah, but really not much more than that. Now, what he knew and taught was true, but there were things he just hadn't learned about. He hadn't learned about the descent and the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. He didn't know about the birth of the New Testament church. He didn't know about the transition from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. He didn't know about the invitation of the gospel to to Gentile nations. He, He knew nothing of the New Testament dispensation of grace. Apollos is a believer, but he's still essentially living in the Old Testament era. He's an Old Testament believer. He doesn't know what's been taking place in the New Testament church age. 
Well, his preaching isn't so much inaccurate, it's just inadequate. He needs somebody to to bring him up to speed. And in God's providence here, Aquila and Priscilla are here in Ephesus, and they're going to help him out. Verse 26 tells us, Apollos began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Or you could read that more completely. Frankly, I don't think any of us would have picked this couple to help Apollos. It's likely they were an older couple. Apollos is a young man. They're, they're married. He's single. They, they lacked education. He was a brilliant intellectual. They were, they were simple laborers. And, and, and he's this wealthy man, wealthy enough to travel on his own, well-connected. Would Apollos ever listen to an older couple like them? Well, the answer is yes, he does. He humbly sits and he listens, probably at their kitchen table, as they fill him in privately on all that God has done and all that the apostles have been teaching. Apollos receives this new information, and he becomes a a dynamic partner in the missionary ministry of the church. He eventually heads over to Corinth, and, and verse 27 here describes his ministry in that city. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ, the Messiah, was Jesus. Listen, let's learn from this to never underestimate the influence of ordinary people in the lives of others. Here you have a simple couple, tent makers, who impacted Apollos, who will in turn impact the church that will impact the city. And don't forget that some of the greatest things accomplished for God are accomplished behind the scenes. Priscilla and Aquila, probably over dinner, probably several of them there in their ordinary home, helped disciple Apollos, equipping him for a future effective, powerful ministry. I have read that that you can take one pound of iron and fashion it into some nails and sell them for a couple of dollars. However, if you fashion that same amount of iron into a horseshoe, its value would go up to $100. If you turn that same iron into sewing needles, its value would skyrocket to more than $1,000. However, if you place that pound of iron into the hands of Swiss watchmakers, they would use it to create balancing springs for expensive Swiss watches, and the value would be multiplied to well over $100,000. It all depends into whose hands the raw material is placed. Well, let me tell you, the raw material of, of this young believer, Apollos, his life was placed into the hands of mature, seasoned saints, Priscilla and Aquila. And the value of his ministry is going to increase exponentially for the good of the church, ultimately for the glory of God. The question is, what has God placed in your hands? 
Maybe it's personal ministry in the privacy of your home. Or maybe you're out in public teaching the Word. The point is, wherever it is, allow God to use you for the benefit of other people. Ultimately, again, for the glory of God. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey, and he called this lesson The Value of Teamwork. Stephen is the president of Wisdom International. His passion is to help you walk wisely through life, and that's why he developed this wisdom journey through the Bible. I hope you'll continue along with us, and I encourage you to tell others about this program. That helps them and us. Join us next time on The Wisdom Journey.